Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Kara Goodwin. Welcome to the Parenting Translator newsletter and podcast. This week's topic is going to be a deep dive on all of the research on tongue ties. And I want to say quickly first that the new normal on the Parenting Translator podcast is going to be baby noises in the background. So I figured this audience would be understanding of that. And please excuse any little baby noises that you hear. This week's newsletter is on tongue ties, which seems like a very niche topic, but it's actually one of my most requested topics that I have on my platform. If you are past the baby stage or don't have a child with a tongue tie, you might think that this topic doesn't apply to you, but I actually think this topic is a great example of why parents sometimes need to turn to the research with a difficult parenting decision. Medical professionals on this topic are likely to give parents different guidance based on their area of expertise. And they often leave the decision up to parents. So this leaves parents in a position where it's really important to understand the pros and cons of their decision and to make a really informed decision. I also wanted to address this topic because I couldn't find this research compiled anywhere else. So I really hope that this newsletter will help parents like myself who have faced this difficult decision. So before diving into the research, I want to explain some of my personal history with tongue ties because I've had two children that have experienced tongue ties. And I think it's important to understand what my personal background is and the decisions that I made. Um, So my second child had some minor issues with breastfeeding, including a painful latch and relatively slow weight gain. So I took him to a breastfeeding clinic within the first week of life and a pediatrician there diagnosed him with a anterior tongue tie, which is one that you can actually see near the front of the tongue. And she gave me the choice of whether I wanted to release it, meaning cut it with scissors, or just wait and see what happened. And so I asked about, of course, asked about potential side effects, pain to the baby, and she told me that it would probably be minimal. So I decided to allow her to release it. He cried for a few seconds, and then it was over. It seemed like breastfeeding immediately improved, and it felt like the right choice to me. After having my fourth child in August, it quickly became apparent that breastfeeding was not working as it should. She wasn't gaining weight. Breastfeeding was extremely painful, more painful than it had ever been. And it didn't matter that I had breastfed three other children or done extensive research on breastfeeding. I felt at a loss for why it wasn't working. Her latch seemed fine and my milk supply seemed fine. And nearly all the professionals that I saw seemed stumped as to why it wasn't working. So I, of course, discussed this with friends on my Parenting Translator social media platform, and a lot of people suggested to me that it might be a tongue tie. So of course, I asked some of the professionals I was working with if they thought it was a tongue tie. The pediatricians that I saw said, absolutely not. No evidence of a tongue tie. The lactation consultant didn't really seem sure. And the pediatric dentist who I saw told me maybe a very posterior tongue tie, but I couldn't really get a firm diagnosis. And I was struck by how there could be so much disagreement about what seemed to be like an anatomical diagnosis. And there was a part of me that kept asking about a tongue tie almost in hopes this was the case. And of course, you know, I didn't want my child to have a tongue tie. I wouldn't wish that on my child. But it seemed like such a simple explanation that could provide an instant solution, like with my second child. So I didn't really feel comfortable pursuing the procedure without a clear diagnosis, especially because with a more posterior tongue tie, 
my understanding is that the procedure would be potentially more invasive and more painful. So I did oral motor exercises with her. I continued triple feeding, which is terrible, where you are breastfeeding, pumping, and then giving a bottle of pump milk. It's extremely time-consuming. But finally, around two months, she very gradually started breastfeeding better and better. And I still don't really know whether she had a tongue tie or even why I struggled with breastfeeding. But after talking to so many other parents who struggled with breastfeeding, I know that I'm not alone in my confusion. A lot of people struggle with breastfeeding and a lot of people aren't sure if it is a tongue tie and if it needs to be fixed or not. So tongue ties recently have become a really hot topic. So many women struggle with breastfeeding. Research finds that more than half of mothers stop breastfeeding earlier than they would like. And it often isn't clear why it isn't working or how to fix it. So as awareness grows about tongue ties, which is definitely a positive thing, it almost seems like identifying and releasing tongue ties might be the silver bullet that we've all been waiting for to make breastfeeding a little bit easier. So online and on social media, I've even seen claims that tongue ties are linked not only with breastfeeding difficulties, but also with speech impairments, difficulty feeding and eating, dental problems, sleep apnea, altered breathing during sleep, and digestive issues like reflux. At the same time, there's now an industry of people making money off of diagnosing and treating tongue ties. And although I want to believe that no one would ever perform an unnecessary surgery on a baby, it's hard not to question whether professionals might be motivated, maybe even unconsciously, to overdiagnose and overtreat tongue ties. So can the research help parents to make sense of this decision of whether or not to treat tongue ties? And how do tongue ties actually impact breastfeeding? And are tongue ties really linked with other negative impacts in a child's life? So first, some background information. So a tongue tie is a congenital condition, meaning something a child is born with, that involves a shorter or tighter frenulum. And the frenulum is that small piece of skin that connects the tongue to the bottom of the mouth. This small piece of skin is believed to reduce the ability to move the tongue which then may impact the child's ability to latch onto the breast and extract milk for successful breastfeeding. So tongue ties are typically fixed with a phrenotomy, which involves using scissors or a scalpel to cut the frenulum. And in some cases, um, particularly with posterior tongue ties, which are more difficult to cut, a laser has been used to remove the frenulum. And this is what I was offered for my fourth baby, I should say. So are tongue ties being overdiagnosed? Really interesting. So tongue ties seem to be a recent trend, but they've actually been around and recognized for a really long time. So tongue ties were reported and treated in babies as early as the 1600s. And in fact, midwives would often keep one fingernail longer and sharper in order to just cut the tongue ties of newborn babies which is a very less sanitary procedure than is currently done, but this has been done for a long time. So currently, tongue ties are estimated to occur in about 4 to 11% of newborns, and the reported rate of tongue ties has increased dramatically in recent years. So one study estimates that the rate of tongue tie has increased 843% from 1997 to 2012. So this exponential increase may be related to increased awareness of this condition, as well as a greater emphasis on exclusive breastfeeding. Yet some professionals claim that tongue ties are being overdiagnosed and have raised the alarm that infants and children may be having unnecessary 
corrective procedures as a result. So do tongue ties actually impact breastfeeding? So research suggests that tongue ties are associated with breastfeeding difficulties for some, but not all infants. So research finds that breastfeeding problems are slightly more likely in an infant with a tongue tie. So 55% of mothers in infants with tongue ties report breastfeeding problems, but still 42% of mothers of infants without a tongue tie report breastfeeding problems. So breastfeeding problems are still very, very common. Research also finds that infants with tongue ties are slightly less likely to be breastfed for two months. So 83% of infants with a tongue tie are breastfed for two months and 92% of infants without a tongue tie. Um, So it's not a huge difference, but it's there. Research also suggests that 50% of breastfed babies with a tongue tie actually don't experience any breastfeeding difficulties at all. So all these studies I've just talked about are correlational, meaning we don't know if the tongue tie is actually causing the difference between groups. And it's clear that many infants have breastfeeding problems even without a tongue tie. So fortunately, we have some data from randomized controlled trials, which are the highest quality research studies that allow researchers to determine cause that help us understand the impact of tongue ties on breastfeeding. So there was a recent Cochrane review. So Cochrane reviews are the highest standard for research reviews. It included only randomized controlled trials of fixing a tongue tie. And they consistently found that fixing a tongue tie resulted in less pain for breastfeeding mothers. So this is really important. However, research was mixed as to whether fixing a tongue tie actually improved breastfeeding. Two studies found no difference and one study found improved breastfeeding. So two studies found no difference, one found improved breastfeeding. So the research is really mixed. These studies all had methodological problems though, unfortunately. So small sample size, an unclear definition of a tongue tie, a lack of longer term follow-up data. And in most of these studies, the mothers and the researchers were not blind, meaning they knew whether their child had their tongue tie fixed. And all studies that were described here didn't really follow the infants long-term. So it's also important to note that although tongue ties can cause nipple pain, tongue ties are actually not the most common cause of nipple pain. In most cases, 73% nipple pain is caused by improper latch and positioning, while it is only caused by tongue ties in 23% of mothers. So do tongue ties have other negative impacts? So research is mixed as to whether tongue ties impact speech development some studies find an association between tongue ties and later speech problems, and some find no, no association. So a recent study also found no difference in speech production or intelligibility in children with and without a treated tongue tie. One study found a link between tongue ties and sleep apnea, but further research is needed. And there is also some research showing that releasing a tongue tie may make sleep apnea worse. So it's not clear what the relationship is between tongue ties and sleep apnea. And there is some evidence that tongue ties might impact reflux, but higher quality research is needed on this topic. So do tongue ties actually need to be fixed? So given the lack of clear findings indicating that tongue ties actually cause infant feeding problems and other developmental issues, some professionals are raising the question of whether tongue ties actually need to be fixed. Again, this procedure is called a phrenotomy, and it's important to say that many private practitioners may be making a significant profit off of fixing tongue ties, which of course raises ethical issues. So further complicating this question is the lack of a standardized tool to determine whether a phrenotomy is necessary. So we don't have any sort of assessment tool that 
medical professionals can use that would indicate whether or not your child meets criteria to get a phrenotomy, which often leaves the decision up to parents. And there's also a lot of disagreement among professionals as to whether fixing a tongue tie is necessary for improving breastfeeding. 53% of ear, nose, and throat doctors recommend a surgical fix of a tongue tie, but only 21% of pediatricians do. So research on the procedure itself is limited, particularly research on using a laser to release a tongue tie because that's a relatively new procedure. But the research we do have indicates that most infants recover quickly and are able to breastfeed immediately after the procedure. Research also finds few negative side effects of this procedure. However, in rare cases, there may be complications like bleeding, oral aversion, which means refusing to take a breast or bottle after the procedure or requiring a repeat procedure. One study found that most infants cried after a standard phrenotomy, which is being clipped with a scissors. So you can expect your child to be in some pain from this procedure. So is it actually necessary? So as described above, about 50% of breastfeeding babies with a tongue tie do not experience any problems with breastfeeding. And even for those who do, a phrenotomy may not even be the best way to fix the problem. Interesting study found that most infants, 63% who were referred for a phrenotomy ended up not needing it when they were first offered services from a lactation consultant. So meaning a lactation consultant helped them with their latch and positioning, which then allowed them to not need the phrenotomy later. A randomized controlled trial also found no difference in breastfeeding success at three months in participants offered lactation consultation plus a phrenotomy versus lactation consultation alone. So both of these studies suggest that families should probably see a lactation consultant first to improve their baby's latch and positioning um, before seeking a phrenotomy since this intervention is less painful and has no potential for negative side effects. The research on whether a phrenotomy is necessary is even more unclear when you look at moderate and mild tongue ties. So a randomized controlled trial of infants with mild and moderate tongue ties found no significant differences in breastfeeding outcomes with a phrenotomy. But the study did find that the phrenotomy increased the mother's self-confidence in breastfeeding, which of course is very important as well. It's also unclear whether the stretching exercises and the massage that are typically recommended after a phrenotomy are necessary, and research has yet to really find a standardized post-procedure regimen that you should do after getting a tongue tie fixed. There is also a lack of evidence that a particular method of releasing a tongue tie, so scissors versus laser, is better in terms of outcome and healing. So what about lip ties and posterior tongue ties? The research is also very unclear on lip ties and posterior tongue ties. One issue with lip tie is that they are even less clearly defined in the research than tongue ties, and there is no consensus on how to diagnose a lip tie. So a recent study found no correlation between lip anatomy and breastfeeding success. There's also no correlation between having a tongue tie and a lip tie. Another study found that infants that had both a tongue tie and a lip tie, 98% had successful breastfeeding even after only receiving a tongue tie release, suggesting that the lip tie release may not really be necessary. However, there are no randomized controlled trials on this topic, so further research is needed. The definition of a posterior tongue tie is also really unclear. 
and clinicians haven't really reached a consensus on what this means. So some use this to refer to a frenulum that extends from the back of the tongue, but this definition is not really standardized. A small randomized controlled trial recently found some evidence of improved breastfeeding after a phrenotomy of a posterior tongue tie, but further research is really needed. There is also no evidence that releasing a cheek tie will improve breastfeeding, and some experts believe that it may make breastfeeding problems worse. So what's the overall translation here? So tongue ties likely do contribute to breastfeeding difficulty in some way for some breastfeeding mother-infant peers. If you are struggling to breastfeed or experiencing painful breastfeeding, you will likely want to get your child assessed for a tongue tie. When seeking this assessment, you might want to consult with several different types of experts, including your pediatrician, a lactation consultant, an ear, nose, and throat doctor, etc., since research finds that different medical professionals may have different perspectives on tongue ties. However, tongue ties are not necessarily the explanation for every breastfeeding problem, and fixing a tongue tie is not the silver bullet that will fix all breastfeeding problems. The research is not clear that tongue ties even necessarily have to be fixed in order for a baby to successfully breastfeed. And the research is even less clear as to whether tongue ties will result in later speech, feeding, and sleeping issues. If your child is diagnosed with a tongue tie or you suspect a tongue tie, first make sure that the problem can't be resolved by improving latch and positioning. So that would be seeing and working with a lactation consultant. You also want to check for any other explanations as to why breastfeeding isn't working. Allow time for nipple pain to improve on its own because it often does. Even in infants with a confirmed tongue tie, research finds that working with a lactation consultant often makes releasing the tongue tie unnecessary. Research finds that the most common cause of painful breastfeeding is incorrect positioning and latch, and often breastfeeding improves on its own with no intervention. If you are working with a lactation consultant, it doesn't seem to be working, then you really want to consider the pros and cons of a phrenotomy in consultation with a trusted medical professional. There may be situations in which a phrenotomy will save your breastfeeding relationship, and there may be situations when it's unnecessary for your baby. Remember that any way you choose to feed your baby will result in a happy and healthy child. And trust yourself to know that only you know the best decision for your infant, given your unique situation. Thank you so much for listening to the Parenting Translator newsletter and podcast. Tune in next week for more research-backed tips for parents. Parenting Translator is a nonprofit organization, so all of these podcasts and the information they provide are given to you for free. If you would like to support our work, please subscribe to this podcast and rate and review it. Thank you so much.